I really believe that through collaboration we get better policy decisions. Yeah, I think the message again is please, please, please engage with business. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Good morning and welcome to the Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey. I'm Donald Martin, editor of the Herald and Herald on Sunday, and your host as we discuss referendums and biscuits. We also talk to celebrity hairstylists Taylor and Anne Ferguson. And in the boardroom this week, Tom and Willie answer your calls and provide brilliant business advice. If you have a question or simply want guidance, get in touch by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. So gentlemen, the post-election message from a triumphant SNP is clear. They believe they have a mandate for IndyRef2. So how much of an impact does that have on business in terms of an uncertain future? Tom? Well, first of all, I don't know if it is a mandate, um, Donald. I think um, the people of Scotland have got other priorities at this time. I have said many times there will be a time for another referendum on Scottish independence, but the time is definitely not now. We have an economic crisis and even before COVID, Scotland was underperforming, which wasn't good enough. We've got a health crisis. I read about a poor lady in the Highlands who was quoted six years to wait for a double hip transplant. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I, I really worried about the cancer epidemic because of untreated and undiagnosed cancers. Education. Again, Scottish standards, um, I mean, Scotland led the world in its education system and I wanted to do that again. Standards were falling before COVID and now we've had children out of full-time education for more than a year. So chuck in the climate crisis and I think another constitutional debate is way down the to-do list because we need to focus on these other things. Willie? Yeah, I think we should make it clear, but the reason why the lady in the islands is waiting six years is not down to the NHS. It's five years before the ferry is ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll tell her that, Willie. (laughs) It won't be much comfort to her. Um, I I think that uh, obviously the question is is it a mandate for I don't know if it is or not but and to be fair even the SNP have said this week you know uh, that you know, there's other things that we have to prioritise and, and, and if they want to, you know, talk about that later, then that's fine. But I think COVID, and to be honest with you, I've said it in the past, I'm saying it again, um, as we see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, trust me, everybody is going to be concentrating totally on employment and unemployment. Right, we have not seen the tsunami that's coming round the corner. Um, you know, with, with the people who are going to lose their jobs, especially in the hospitality industry. So, I think there'll be plenty for politicians to go on with without having to debate the constitutional issues. Yeah, I mean, talking to people out there, Donald, um, and as Willie says, especially in the hospitality industry, there is this, you know, from tomorrow we can open up and we can go for a pint inside. My God, Willie, we don't need to stand out in the rain anymore. And um, so that's all good. But what is facing these businesses is one, a shortage, Willie. Somebody was telling me there's a shortage of chefs now. 
because of Brexit, etc., a lot of people have gone home or back to where they were coming. Um, but furlough's going to end, the rates holiday's going to end, and um, what the sea bills have got to be paid back, you know, all of these things are coming, so the euphoria we've got about getting back to a wee bit of normal tomorrow, there's some slow dawnings facing every business now as we all buckle down. And, you know, these challenges are ahead for every business and we just need to support them through this. Can, can I say something else that I've found over the last two weeks, Tom, which I'm really surprised I'm actually talking about? We all thought that inflation would stay steady now for, for many, many years. Uh, what I've seen in the last few weeks has actually frightened me about where prices are going with various things. And I know that you're involved at the moment as well with house building. Some of the things that have been brought to my attention, there is a bag of cement is up 300%. Wow. Right, in four months, right? The price of steel since the start of the year is up 14%. Right, so this is, this is just one sector we're building uh, the cost of bricklaying, brickwork, every single thing now in relation to house buildings going through the roof. The whole situation that we have at the moment with semiconductors, I've got, I think, three and a half thousand vehicles on the road, right? My, my transport manager's telling me yesterday, if we want to order vans, they're talking now eight and nine months forward ordering, right? So there is a bit of chaos. You know, believe it, I think that this has all been because of COVID. I think that people have um, turned to other things during COVID, like, for instance, containers is a major problem, right? Containers were sending PPE equipment all around the world. Loads of the containers are just left there. People were charging for the container rather than for the return of the container. So I can tell you just now, I know a friend of mine who brings stuff in from China, and generally the cost on top of their goods he's buying would be £3,000 for the container. It's £12,000. Right, he's telling me about people ordering furniture from China actually cancelling the orders because they cannot afford to buy the stuff because of the cost of the containers. So I think all of these things, when the dust settles, is going to add to the problem that, that, that COVID has created. And is there an escape route for us out of the, all these mountain problems? Well, always there's an answer, Donald, but we've just got to get through it. What my point is, is people think, right, COVID's finished, right, brilliant, let's all just get back to normal. But as ever in business, there are challenges ahead for every business person, every entrepreneur out there. And, you know, that's that's what entrepreneurs do. They solve problems. Yeah. But there are plenty of problems stacking up, really. Yeah, I, I think, I said in, in previous weeks, I think there'll be a boom when we come out of COVID, but I think um, it's got, things are going to be a bit more expensive for all of us and everything that we do in our, our day-to-day lives. There was some sad news in terms of Glasgow with McVitie's announcing their closure of its toll cross factory and that's 470 redundancies. What do you think went wrong and what can we do to provide alternative jobs, Willie? 
Well, I think it's real sad. It's, it's a tragedy. I mean, that, that factory's been there, part of that community for 100 years nearly, you know, and there'll be families, generations of families, so it'll be, you know, it'll be real sad. And I know there's been a task force put together by Glasgow Council and by SE, and I hope that they do everything. But if I could just give them one bit of advice, we had a gentleman on the show a few weeks ago who's the king of that industry. Please get Boyd Turnock into your task force to ask if there's anything you can do and he will not look at McVitie's as you know competition but he will look at that as a iconic Glasgow business and I'm telling you he'd be happy to help yeah I think that's a brilliant idea Willie um, what, what I always wonder about these things and it is a it's a personal tragedy as you say Willie you were explaining to me about this factory and how it's been there for all these years and part of the Glasgow cityscape really Um what, what I don't understand is these task forces are announced after the company's made the decision. Surely they should be working with them way before it to try and try and change their mind because once, we all know, once a big company's made its mind, Willie, it's made its mind, therefore it's, it's almost always futile. But surely they should be flagging up saying, right, in a year's time, if this doesn't change, this is what we're doing and that's the time to intervene yeah I, I think to be fair on this one everyone it kind of came out in the blue did it, it right. did I don't think people get much notice um, I don't think SE get much notice and certainly I don't think the council get much notice but what I would say is is that it's a tragedy it's a tragedy for that community you know one of the poorest communities in Glasgow in, in Shettleson and in, in, in Carmel but I, I, I think that going back to what we said earlier when the dust settles in this 500 jobs will be a drop in your... I, I believe at the moment that probably... They say that the nighttime economy, there's 170,000 people working that in Glasgow alone. I believe at the moment that at least 17,000 of those jobs are gone, right? And people don't know it yet. I think when furlough it comes to an end that we're going to find that we're going to have to help. You know, we're going to be talking about this for a long, long time about massive job losses. So this this brings me back to the central point and really the whole point of this show, Willie, we are for business by business. We're trying to help. Yep. We're not here blowing our own trumpet. No, no. We're just trying to help. And the one thing I would just get down on my knees and just say to the government... Please get people alongside you who understand these businesses. I mean, Willie's idea about Boyd is brilliant. But get Donald McLeod in about the nighttime economy. Get people alongside you. will make better decisions. Don't make policy in isolation and do it to businesses. Do it with businesses. It seems that there's a lack of clarity or consistency for the rules for the hospitality trade. Certainly I mean, who, makes up, who makes them up? Who makes them up, Doral? Come on, I bet you nobody well, who's... Does ever... it make sense to, to either of you? You can now hug people in your own homes. <laughs> but if he goes for a meal, you can't hug them there. I know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I was at uh, a funeral the other day, the other morning, and... Uh, I was not part of the immediate family, so I was not part of the 50 people who are allowed in the church. So five or six of us were standing outside with our black suits and black ties on, and we all decided that we would just go to a hotel somewhere else and pretend we were a funeral and get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's how crazy it is. I think some of the rules, I can understand why 
people in the hospitality industry are pulling their hair out. I, I think that they have been the hardest hit by by some of the stupidity around the rules. We all want to stay safe after all of the sacrifices that everyone has made over the past 12, 14 months. But I think someone has to look at how we can help this sector get back on its feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all have start with the same objective of course we do we want to be safe we want to come through this thing safely but when governments begin to legislate and write down to minutia of what the individuals can do I'm sorry that's never going to work and I am surprised there's not been more um, backlash against it frankly yeah, I think the First Minister would say that, um, you know, the exposure that she got on the daily briefings in relation to the way that she handled COVID helped in a long, long way with the success of the SNP. I heard her saying that to a journalist last week that, you know, that she thought she'd run a really good job in the last year. <laughs> right. So I think that it would be great if the First Minister will be remembered in the next year about how she handled all the things that was, you know, was a you know was a result of COVID. I think there'll be a lot more to do in this year. So so hopefully that um, people there will step up to the mark. Oh fingers crossed. Now in the latest of our series on Great Scots, we tell the story of bars. Soft drinks manufacturer Bars was founded in Falkirk by Robert Barr in 1875. Bars enjoyed moderate success early on, however it was son Andrew Greg Barr who changed the face of the business, introducing a concoction that soon would become synonymous with Scottish culture. With the family business initially being too small to employ both Andrew and brother Robert, Andrew pursued a career in banking, working as a clerk in the Clydesdale Bank in Falkirk. Andrew would continue to work for the bank until 1887. At this time, his father, hoping to exploit the increasingly high demand for soft drinks, decided to open a branch of the family business in Glasgow. Andrew's elder brother Robert would manage the new development, with Andrew and younger brother William joining their father at the original Falkirk base. Although Falkirk was considered Barr's head office, Glasgow was the expanding market. Robert Barr successfully established large new premises in the Parkhead area of Glasgow, producing lemonade, soda water, orangeade, sarsaparilla and many other beverages. The business grew so quickly that brother Andrew joined him in Glasgow in 1892. Andrew worked aggressively to expand the company's activities, so much so that by 1897 he had become the sole proprietor. The heart of the new Parkhead works was the laboratory and Andrew Barr personally supervised the blending of ingredients. In 1901, after much experimentation, he created what became known as Barr's Iron Brew. When first introduced, it was one of a number of similar competing products, but Barr's was by far the most successful and the tastiest. The exact recipe remains a secret to this day, known only by senior members of the Barr family. Barr's new product was instantly popular and would become the foundation of the family's business empire. Andrew Barr's rise was meteoric. Tragically, his life was cut short after a three-week battle with pneumonia. He died on the 12th of July 1903 at his home in Deniston. He was just 31 years of age. Andrew's iron brew creation, however, lives on and the drink remains a staple of Scottish culture to this day. Great Scots on the Go Radio Business Show. Well, we certainly all love some Iron Brew, Tom. Well, that is my favourite, actually. And um, I had a birthday last week 
And on my cake, which my wife got me, was beans and toast, Willie, on the cake and a can of iron brew and an empire biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) And I've actually brought you some cake in, Willie and Donald. So Now, here's some stuff, because I love iron brew. So um, 20 cans of Bars Iron Brew are sold every second of every day. Amazing. There's only three people in the world know the recipe. Two of them are Bars family members, and the third one we don't even know who it is. And here's the best stat of them all. Um, Coca-Cola, the only market in the world that is not number one, is Scotland, because Bars Iron Brew outsells it. Amazing. Well, Sam, after hearing that story, which I'm amazed at, I can't wait until lockdown is completely back to normal and me and you walk into, into 29 and say, give us two sarsaparillas. <laughs> I didn't know that Barzian Brew were responsible for sarsaparillas. Are you first one? Yeah, okay. but it's interesting. Let me tell you another great right. iconic uh, brand as well on the same, same vein, right? Tenants Lager is the only lager, right, that the great uh, American Anheuser-Busch company right. would not take on. I went to a sales oh, conference. Right. Yeah, I went to a, sale, a sales conference uh, with Anheuser-Busch in London when they started to sell draft lager and they put a map of the world up, right? And, they, and there's this big T on it and he says, don't even waste any time trying to <laughs> sell in that area because these guys that sell tenants have got saturation. There you go. So Budweiser were beaten by tenants. So the great Scott is brilliant again. Thanks whoever put this together and um, get it taught in the schools. Yeah. And what 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 I am brew have showed many people is is, is market marketing is key. Yeah. And what they've done over the last thirty years has been phenomenal. It's it's funny when when the show went out a couple of weeks ago when we, when we had the, the thing about grants. Uh, uh, I got Tony Kelly who owns Eden Mill mm-hmm. for me and saying for them as, as a new he says it was fantastic to hear that story and what they can learn from it so there's some of the wee snippets in the show are, are resonating with people yeah marketing once again and I mean I don't suppose I can tell you about my favourite Iron Brew <laughs> one you know son your your mum was a fanny <laughs> your dad was a fanny and the new baby's a fanny I'm sure that'll get edited out but anyway <laughs> I'm sure it won't. It made TV, no, so I don't know no, that'll be edited no. out. After, after Donald's blue nose and my green nose not getting edited out, you're definitely not getting edited out. Coming up after the break, we'll be talking to stylists to the stars, Taylor and Anne Ferguson. Don't forget, if you want to be part of the board you can't afford, you can put your questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey, supporting the lifeblood of the Scottish economy. Welcome back as we are joined by Taylor and Anne Ferguson of the legendary Glasgow Hair Salon. The first choice for Scotland celebrities, except for Tom and I, who are a wee bit challenged in that department. Speak for yourself, Tom. <laughs> if you want business advice or have a question for Tom and Willie, you can email us at gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag gohunterandhockey. Taylor, Anne, welcome to the show. Hi, good, good morning. morning. I believe you've just celebrated your 45th anniversary of opening your salon in Glasgow. So I want to take you back to that very first day. 
What was going through your head? And did you ever think you'd be as successful as you've been? I don't think we had any... We were successful in our hometown of Lanarkshire and Coatbridge. We really just went in there. We were full of confidence. We can make this work anywhere. Yeah. It was a huge shock when we just sat there for the day and one person came in and got a perm and... One person was the whole day's drawings. Oh, yeah. That was a Nine shock. Pounds. Because up until then, you know, Taylor's mother had a hairdressing business in Coatbridge and she opened that, it'll be almost about 80 years ago now. Wow. And it was just one of those things, you know, a town and we, we had had five shops around the sort of Coatbridge Airdrie area. So if you wanted a good hairdo, it was sort of just, it was a given. Just go to Patricia Ferguson. That was Taylor's mum's salons. They were all called Patricia Ferguson. And you went there and... So we just... I thought, I'm just going to Glasgow and I'll just be the same. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was so, so different. It was it was just a panic. I mean, we, you know... We did then start realising, what are we going to do here? You know, will we do advertising? Will we do shows and things like that and it was just funny you spend an advertising and it would take your drawings away so you say we need to do another step so then we were introduced to PR that's right I always remember our advertising agent he said look you know I, I, I really appreciate what you're doing for me but I, th- I think we're maybe doing too much of the wrong thing I'm going to introduce you to this PR and Taylor and I both looked at each other and said was PR. <laughs> I mean, this we've is 45 never, years ago. We've never, you know, linked into it or, you know, because yeah. we just were that family business that just turned up and did what we do. And then we got introduced to this PR who, you know, really sort of put our name out there and we started working with model agencies and... Uh, doing fashion uh, shows. Know, doing yeah. fashion that shows. Was the only way uh, doing, social media. Uh, and from there, it, it really just... I mean, it took quite a long time, but yeah. it, it just uh, started to happen and so, then it was just hard work and... Yeah. Um, well, we knew that we were reasonably good at what we did, so... You know, we thought, you know, just keep going, heads down, keep going. And then it was just interesting how, you know, people from London picked us up and then there were shows, invitations to go to New York, to Hong Kong, um, Thailand, and uh, just some of those things we really, really enjoyed doing. You know, it, it just took us a further step than we probably ever thought we would do, but in, how, enjoying how every minute. How long do you think it took you to, to think you were established? Well, we went for the, the high end of the, the market, Willie, and you've got to prove yourself. You know, if somebody thinks they come in, oh, I can do that. But if you're charging double what somebody else is charging, they say, right, show me what you can do. So there's pressure on you. I mean, I would do that to the celebrity racers in London. How can they get away with charging that? They get the strain and the stress of working down there. So it's not... It's not simple. You've got to give your whole heart into it and be good at your job. So we were continually learning, educating the staff and doing all that sort of thing. I would say it was about five years, though. Five years? Yeah. I, w- I would wow. think it was yeah. about five years before we actually thought, right, OK, you know, we've got our, a hold on this now and we know where we want to take it. Because when we went in there at first, we just went in, you, you know, really, I think, well, just more of the same. We'll just do more of the same. And that, that can't possibly be anything but a success. But we committed ourselves. Yeah. We actually bought the shop we were in. We just said, look, if we do this, and that put us under a lot of pressure. Right. <laughs> you to borrow yeah. for that. And then you're saying, we've got to make this a success. And it drives you on. You know, it's it's just hard work and determination all the but time. But do you know what? It's 
Great fun. I, I have to say, I absolutely love my job. All the time I spend in that space at Bath Street, I absolutely love it. It's my hobby. It's my career. I, I love hairdressing. Can I, can I take you back just one step before 45 years? So, mm -hmm. Taylor, your business was in your family, so you were kind of brought up with that. Yes. So it was natural for you to go into business I suppose it was because I actually before I left school my father had a baker's business and my mother had a hairdressing Another I did baker. both yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did both bakers. I mean I can remember carrying the board in my head down with the rolls and the pies <laughs> and things like that and delivering rolls and I was shampooing. I used to have a whole pocket full of money. I don't have any now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pocket full of money I made from tips. That was Anne. Before I left school. And, 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 and Anne, was, was there business in your family background? No, not yeah. at all. No. Uh -huh. No, my father was a joiner and my mother was a wages clerkess, so there was nothing there. Yeah. Right. You know, nothing but at all. She, she joined the salon. As a, an assistant uh, no, or a this junior. This is the bit I like oh, now. Right. I want you all to pay attention to this. I joined Taylor's mother's salon and then I became Taylor's junior. Now that means I'm much younger than him. <laughs> that's that that's always my dear. <laughs> so you're admitting that you work for him? And this is that. That was a long time ago. He works Tom. for me now, don't yeah. Tom? <laughs> oh, I know. She has a nickname of the day. She'll work for her wife's hand, you know. She's got a nickname of the days yeah there was one chap called Brian called and he said, is the Führer in <laughs> <laughs> and they all knew who it was right away <laughs> from a business perspective how has the profession changed in the time you've been operating Hugely. It's, it changes all the time especially the, the actual hair cutting business you know from when I I started when my mother sent us to London or Paris and I remember the, the the conflict between Paris and London. We would go to Paris, and they would do their shows and uh, shows what they thought was in. And then there was Londoners creeping in at this time. Now this was the time of the precision cut, you know, Mary Quant, very sharp cuts, yes, yeah. so geometrics, uh, geometric cuts. And uh, the London boys are saying to the French guys. Eh, that's old-fashioned, all this roller setting and dressing out. And they didn't like it because they were known as the leading hairdressers in the, in the world. They did all the film stars. And, you know, they wouldn't change. Now, nobody knows about a Paris hairdresser now because they're old-fashioned. Right, they haven't moved London, with the times, Taylor. They didn't move with the times. No. You've got to move with the times. And I think that's one of the things that we've been able to do and it pushes you on all the time. So what's been your biggest achievement, you think, over the years? I think just that space in, in Bath Street, I mean, we're both very proud of that. And, you know, celebrities do come to it. And, uh, you know, it, it seems to be a place that, you know, people return. And a lot of them have come for 45 years. And I, I really feel quite proud of that, that, you know, we've created that atmosphere and obviously been able to stay you know, reasonably at the top of our profession. We got um, involved with the hairdressing side, though, too, quite a bit. And we did quite a lot of the British and hairdressing awards and the Scottish hairdressing awards. And, you know, you, you can win these, but at the end of the day, it's the client sitting on your chair that's more important than anything else. Indeed. So lots of high points. Any low points? I think there's only one low point, and, uh, I mean, it'll just be with me forever, and it was the day that, the 23rd of March 2020 was when the First Minister came on TV and said, you know, all hairdressers uh, close now. And I remember thinking, really? 
my appointment book's full this afternoon. You must be having a laugh. Yeah. And, you know, we just continued that day and then finished, I think it was about seven o'clock at night. And I, I just could not get my head around that. You know, when I turned those keys that yeah. night, yeah. oh, <laughs> but the, other, the other side was, you know, you get things thrown at it. You remember the miners' strike, the three-day week? Yes. What can we do without power for three days? Yeah. We were actually cutting up at the window it, in the it, daylight. It really, but, but it was but quite funny because... It. You know, you just say, get on with it. Remember how we had salons in different places and I can remember they were on different systems. So what we were doing was picking up clients from one salon and getting them to the another one that had power and, you know, it, it was... You just overcome problems, don't you? They're low points. You just, you just, yeah, we're gonna get uh, on you with just it. deal yeah. with it, don't mm. you? Although I, I think this has been a really... Well, this has been the hardest that I've known, and you know, as I say, we've been in business for a long, long time. This is, this is really well, quite. You, you a don't strange... get any quieter than being closed. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. True. And yeah. you know, when you take it over the thirteen-month period, we were closed thirty-four weeks. So it was a big chunk. You're, so you're dealing you with it in your head. Sorry. How did you cope? Because you obviously love your business. It's <laughs> obvious, and and then it was just close. Uh-huh. So, it, it was so Taylor, Taylor, I mean, he he manicured all the trees in the garden. He <laughs> pretended he was cutting <laughs> hair. <laughs> but, you know, before, when we were thinking of opening again, Anne was there about a month beforehand getting everything prepared. And we even took the, uh, the appointment books home with her. I mean, we could be sitting our tea and the phone would ring asking for an no. appointment. She diverted the calls to her mobile. On saying that, Just I was delighted when the phone rang <laughs> and yes, I was yes, at my yes. tea. It didn't bother me yeah. one bit. So here's a big question. Do you have anyone who still comes to you who started 45 years ago? Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Uh, okay. Amazing. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of them are dead now. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. It's amazing you've no, still got some. There still are. There yeah. still are. They're, they're very proud to tell you. They are very proud to tell you. Do you you realise be. I've been oh. here since, you know. Um, but, do you know, it's great. It's, it's right. really... I, but you should I be just, very proud. There's not many cities in Britain where you have an iconic hairdresser that everybody knows. You know, <laughs> even people who think that they can't afford to go there or whatever, everybody knows you know, about Taylor Ferguson's, right? And obviously, before lockdown, you'd be lucky to get an appointment in it you know, because it was so popular. But uh, I remember when I first heard about it, and it was back in the day when I was kind of younger and football players were all going there, right. and then you'd see them all getting their hair done. So that was a place where you wanted to aspire to get your hair done and so you could tell people you went there even if you'd only been there once in your life <laughs> you remember I'm the one? so glad I came here this morning Willie you make me feel fabulous <laughs> you remember Danny McGreen and Alan Ruff and yeah. uh, Derek Johnson, Johnson they all got parents as you give Alan Ruff his, his pair <laughs> yes. you got a lot to answer for does he still come them? back to you he's a good lad <laughs> so what's yeah. been the best advice or support you've been given and from a business perspective, the best advice. Yeah, um, I used to think you, expenditure must be less than your uh, <laughs> must be less than your income. You yes. can't get any better advice than that, can no. you? Yeah. No. And I, you know the young ones, they've all got their fancy phone mobiles and they've yeah. got every app under the sun. And, you know, it's like one pound in, one pound ten pence out. I would love to be able to tell people, hey, that's not how it works. You know, think about this. So it's just. I know, but I think a, a lot of the time, to be fair, we've been quite cautious and I don't know, that's probably the only thing I can honestly say 
that I maybe wouldn't do again. I'd be more adventurous. We were always cautious. It was always, oh no, better not do that. You know, not not necessarily with, you know, the day-to-day running of the salon or anything like that, but, you know, just things that people would come along and there, there's one big one and I always remember we were, you know, touring a lot at the time and we you get hairdressers who come to all your tours because they want to kind of travel with you. And I do remember this uh, chap saying, how about we open in London? You put in half and we put in half. And I remember thinking, but you're not a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> and why that should have mattered now when I think of it. Yeah. I wouldn't let it matter. But, you know, we were quite young and I remember thinking, nah, I wouldn't put my money with somebody who's not a hairdresser. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> and I do regret that. I, I would love to have had a salon in London. There's still time yet. So that's that's one that, uh-huh, I, I yeah. wish I'd been, yeah. you know, a bit more adventurous then. <laughs> so what key characteristics or traits do you both have that made you so successful? Anne? Well, I think we both give each other quite a hard time. We both can see each other's faults. Um, I suppose we see each other's good points as well, but I don't think we worry about those too much. We we drive each other quite hard. You know, what traits have you got that made you so successful? And then I'll come to you, Taylor, in a minute. Well... I never really thought of it as... I'll answer that. As <laughs> dealing, <laughs> go on, Taylor. Dealing with people. Now, go on from there. You, like, you can deal with people where other people are, are don't want the confrontation. You're quite happy to go yeah, in there and yeah, deal with I'm, it. Yeah, I'm happy to, you know, deal with people. And um, I, I don't really... You maybe should answer this one, because I don't... No, no, it's you he's asking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is great. (laughs) This is is setting a bar for us. You are the first double act we've had on. Trust me, we're going to try and get double acts on every week now. (laughs) So would you, you, for the listeners, would you say a husband and wife team is good for business? Well, it's worked for us, and... I'm sure it works for loads of other people out there, and yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure we would have achieved if we weren't bouncing off each other. No, I, no, I think a husband and wife team. I think you, it's okay. You've got to have selective hearing. You've got to have all this sort of thing going on. I mean, that's just life, really. Right? There's, there's a tip for everyone out there. Selective hearing. So, who's the boss? Anna's. <laughs> I've got a nature, I've got to deal with people. People don't realise this. You perform because a person's watching every move you make. If you're not interested in their hair, they can spot that. I'm not going back here again. This, so you've got to be affable, you've got to concentrate, you've got to sell yourself in that mirror. Wow. You know, it's, it's simple. that way, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. watching every move you make. But the Führer obviously doesn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when they go and pay, they deal with the Führer. <laughs> yeah. well, so, someone did once describe you as the Rottweiler at a till. <laughs> That's a very good description. Was that Susan? <laughs> no, no. Very complimentary. Can't, can't leave it that. So, Taylor, what's Anne's best quality? And Anne, what's Taylor's best quality? Well, I think Anne's best quality is dealing with the administration from top to bottom dealing with the client 
and uh, dealing with all the books and make sure everyone's behaving and explaining when there's a staff discontent about something, she'll deal with all that. Anne? I think um, Taylor's very good at um, calming down situations. I'm, I'm a bit of a hothead and if you know if I take off in one or you know one of the staff have done something that I really don't like I can be quite confrontational Taylor will come in and smooth that over and make it okay again whereas I would maybe <laughs> not be able to do that Can I give you a tip Anne? So see 45 years ago when you found that PR was great try HR <laughs> 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 I think maybe I need to do that now, <laughs> You've cut the hair of many A-listers, including Billy Connolly, Nigella Lawson, hmm? uh, two of Rod Stewart's wives, Penny and Rachel. Uh, is there one big name out there who you'd still like to get your scissors on? I've got one. I would be absolutely desperate to do the Queen's hair. <laughs> oh, wow. Even <laughs> though she is the age she is, she should have a much more modern hairstyle. Yeah. You know, even though she so has to wear the crowns and no, it just wouldn't be so shampoo and set. Right. You know, she, she would <laughs> she, have she it can, about the same but length. But she can change it because of the stamp. Is that not the case? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Oh, we can oh, change I've never the stamp. heard that. <laughs> New stamp. Is that the no, case? Someone told me that she, she listens to go to real business sometimes. Oh, yes, really. yes, so yeah. you never know. You never know. Yeah. I might be lucky that enough. Be good. Taylor, who would you like to? Well, I, I'm along with Anne, but I, I quite—I would love to do somebody like Kate Moss. All right. Other than I don't know why she's so photogenic. Yeah. It, somebody can be very, very pretty, but they're not photogenic. She actually crosses one door in Sloan Street. It was in, in London. She was walking across. And I wouldn't have given her a second glance, and then I thought, "Oh, that was Kate Moss. She's so ordinary looking, yet in front of the camera, You're she just comes alive." Right. Taylor, yep. it, it was a. Uh, an Ayrshire girl who actually took care of Kate and we were out one night and the girl came across and I wouldn't have given Kate Moss a second no. look mm -hmm. but on on the page she just, she's stunning, stunning mm, she it? is amazing yeah. I, was, I was really taken mm. by that that's, that's interesting <laughs> you saw that any particular hairstyle you think you'd recommend for Willie? <laughs> no, no, he's got a, a, a business, good job. A, a businessman. A Mohican. <laughs> he needs a Mohican, I think. Dead. Just normal. <laughs> and I love the point. What did you say about uh, Tom and I's uh, head shape? Head. head shape. You have a nice head shape, it doesn't matter. You don't need hair. Head shape. That's fantastic. <laughs> a compliment for us. That's baldy. So thank you, Anne. Thank you, one Taylor. One looks like a dome and one looks like a buzz ball. <laughs> Just ignoring him. Oh. I can hate people here to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Taylor. Coming up next is the board you can't afford with Hunter and Hockey. If you're looking for some business insight or have a general business question for Tom and Willie, please email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk or join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. The board you couldn't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Welcome back as we go into the boardroom with Hunter and Hockey and answer your calls with business advice, insight and inspiration. It's the board you can't afford. If you have any questions you want read out on the show or wish to speak directly to Tom and Willie, you can email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and you can join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. We're going to our phone lines now, and first up is Dave McConaughey, Chief Commercial Officer of Bell Rock Technology. Dave, welcome to the show. 
Hi, good to speak with you. It's great. You've got a question for Tom and Willie? Yeah, I, I do. So I'm, I'm Dave McConaughey, as you said, Chief Commercial Officer of Bell Rock Technology. And, and the question I've got is, do you think there is enough stock being, being given uh, to data to assist in driving the economy? And then, and then the second part is, there obviously is a need to real to have evidence-based decision-making. It's so prevalent. So how can we really drive the adoption of data solutions to help enable automation and decision support? Great question, Willie. Uh, morning, Dave. Morning, morning. Thanks, thanks for calling in. Um, Dave, well, I, I, all I can say for you on a personal basis, in 35 years in business, I, I don't think our, ever, our business has ever been driven more by data than it is today. We run a, our own in-house platform. We've got a management information system that's kind of world-renowned now, and that absolutely drives the growth of our business and it helps our clients you know, make big, big capital spend decisions and also in, in revenue decisions in relation to, to spend on maintenance. So I would say to you that I would certainly encourage everybody, no matter what your business is, is to collect as much data as you can on both how you run the business and what your clients are looking for. So I would certainly say to you that I think there's that there's certainly a big, big opening, you know, post-COVID for, for all businesses like your own. No, that, that, that's great, Willie. Thank you. So, Dave, it's, it's Tom here. What, did, what does Bell Rock Technology do, Dave? Yeah, we, 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 we specialise in, uh, in automating data from multiple different data sources. And allowing, allowing uh, not just executives, but allowing businesses to have meaningful insights and therefore make decisions. So just very similar to what Willie said there, the ability to bring, it's not just one data source, it tends to be multiple data sources that people are looking at now. Yeah. And what we do is, is, is we democratise the data and, and allow people to have meaningful insights therefore making business decisions. I'm with you. So, I mean, what I would say about this is um, data is the new oil, people say, and it's so important. But I've got a slightly different tack on it. You need to decide, and as the owner, driver of the business, you need to decide with your team, what are you going to measure? Because you, you could measure everything. And whenever we do an investment, I always boil it down to saying, right, what are the three things that this company needs to do in order to satisfy the business plan? The three success factors, and then we measure them at board meetings, etc. So it's about analysing the right things. Um, I remember going back to sports division days when we used to print out all the, all the data and... Um, Every Monday morning, the printers had been going all night and all weekend. And then Monday morning, we looked at all this data. And I said one morning to my IT guy, I said, right, lock the printout door and give me a note of who goes in for their printouts and who's left at the end of the day. And there was about 50% of the printouts never got looked at. So... Um, after that we said stop printing them <laughs> yeah. Dave I'd just like to add that I believe in the next 10 years that every boardroom presentation will have a, a data analysis pack there and, and the, the, the directors of the company will be actually going through this to see how they can improve their businesses I think it will be a must anyone who's not doing this in the next 10 years will be left behind yeah I've been amazed um, Dave being been an old fashioned retailer um, I've been amazed. One of our best, our probably best investment ever is in um, the Hut Group. 
and their attention to data, they've built their own proprietary software and um, in fact just this week got a huge investment from SoftBank of Japan in their Mayoshi-san. So it was a, a global tick in the box for them and that was simply because of the technology. Brilliant. Was that helpful for you, Dave? Yes, it is. And, and I think I think in terms of what we do is we just try to, to make sure that for companies who, who maybe don't have large-scale IT departments or want to develop, we can actually take that pain away from them but still deliver the same results. That's the big thing for us. And I would say to you that if anyone listening go down the route of acting with Dave, don't do something I've done by having a huge wage bill for your IT department. I never thought at any time in my life I would have 184 people in my IT department. <laughs> so definitely I would I would say smaller businesses out there who should rely on data, go to companies like Dave's. Go to Bell Rock and, Technology. And, and employ them. Go, Dave. Thank you. All the best for your business. Thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Best of luck, Dave. Next up is Colin Kelly, who's the owner of My Crew Industries. Welcome to the show, Colin. Uh, thanks, Donald. Thanks very much. So you've got a question for Tom and Willie, so off you go. Hi, uh, so Tom, um, Lord Hockey. How are you doing? Thanks for your Morning, time. Morning, Colin. Morning, Colin. Morning. Thanks for your time. Um, basically, I mean, I've got a clothing label that I've just started. I started it in sort of lockdown, so I'm now at a stage where um, I'm looking to, to possibly open up my own store or really sort of get my, my label into to sort of retail stores or stores that are already established, if you like, um, and I'm finding it pretty hard. So just really any any um, help or, or anything you could do on that or any, anything that you could do to, to help me sort of push that forward or, or get in. I'm getting no response, if you like, from these places that are already established. Which I, yeah. I kind of thought would happen. But, so, um, so tell me... A wee bit about your label. So, what's it? What's it called? First of all, Colin. Um, it's Micro Industries Clothing. It is. Um, right. And who's your target market? Basically, I mean, I've got sort of. It's all sort of football fans, if you like it. At the first sort right. of instance, where it, it aims um, the colourways aim at, at the, the fans from sort of ten year old right up to sort of adults. Right. Uh, okay. Well, listen. I think one of the one of the brilliant things about e-commerce is you can set up your own store relatively cheaply and you've got a global audience day one. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is that it's quite hard to get attention uh-huh. <laughs> in this thing called the World Wide Web. But I would say you've got to build it from there and then use the social media and all of the techniques that you'll be au fait with. What, what, what age are you? I'm 39, right. 39 years. So. Okay, well, make sure you've got someone who really understands your target market and understands the social media which the target market's listening to, watching, etc. But you've got to build your brand from there. Trying to yep. get it into someone else's store, I think it's going to be really difficult at this point. But mm. once you get a bit of traction in there, then other people will come to you but you got to build it first of all. That's what I would say. Yeah, thanks very much. Well, I've, I've got the, the websites open basically, but again, I'm doing that sort of all on my own as well. And it's um, it's the images and stuff that I need to get correct just before I open it up completely and get every item on there. So are you still working another job as well? I'm day shift. I work um, my day job, if you like, and I've basically coach a football team as well. So I'm out three nights a week and then on a Sunday as well with them. So it's all... Um, it's all go. You sound, you sound quite busy. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I run, the, run the, out of time. the other thing I would say to you is, you know, um, 
it's very hard to do the business part-time. I'm a kind of all-or-nothing guy and um, trying to get a business going, all oh, right, and I've got to fit it in round the football and round this, and, you know, and Wally and I have debated this in the past about when do you stop doing a job and actually work for yourself. We've got a different point of view on that, but um, sounds as if you're pretty busy, but you really need to get your brand um, launched. You need to be absolutely all over all the images, all the social media, get it driven. Willie? Yeah, Colin, what I would say is um, you need a celebrity. You, yeah. need to, you need to find someone who's going to get you w- well up on the search lists. You know, the, the, you know, so like the way that the Castori boys dug out Andy Murray or whatever, yeah. you know, it's just an example. So mm. it's just finding someone that you can get to buy into that because, I, I, like Tom now, if you get that sorted out, then all you need is online. You, know, you yeah. don't have to open a shop, you don't have to do whatever, you don't need to worry about the big guys are doing. So yeah. the one bit of advice I would give you is get someone who's going to bring a lot of attention to your brand and your stuff. I think it's a, a brilliant idea from Willie and what you'll, you'll think is, oh, I can't afford to pay them, but you could give them equity in the business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a few, I've got a friend who's, he's a physio at a, 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 sort of a large Glasgow club and I'm also friends with... Queen's Park. <laughs> yeah, Queen's Park, Willie, you got it. Um, I've got a few the, the sort of Rangers players, if you like, and, and a few Celtic players involved as well. Um, Good. It is growing, but it's now at the stage where I'm, I'm looking to sort of just take it to the the next step if you like and then like you said Tom just stop my, my day job if you like and, and push it forward but again it's maybe partly funding it's maybe partly the marketing side and it's pushing that really I mean I've got Instagram I've got Facebook I've got all those set up and they're growing they're growing slowly but again it's now hitting the stage where I'm selling the items I'm getting decent bites from the customers but I now need to push it I want to kind of flood the market if you like or just really push it forward so can I ask you, at the moment if you were relying on that on its own would you make a living realistically the way it's went the last year even with lockdown and that um, well, I would say I would say so yeah I would say yeah I would um, well I'm going to steal Tom's line here then it's time to jump <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so give your business a wee a wee plug how do you how can you buy the, the goods um, basically you can buy it on um it's straight through DM on, on Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, the website, I'm looking to, again, complete that this weekend, but something always comes, something else always sort of comes up. But again, it's well, just that sort of push. When, once you've got your website sorted out, drop us a wee note and we'll give you a wee plug out there. Yeah. No worries, Willie. All right. Okay, Colin. Good well, luck. listen, keep in touch. Good and luck. As, and as Willie said, we'll give you a wee plug and um, go for it. Yeah, great. Thanks very much. Thanks for your advice. Cheers. Good luck. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Our next caller this morning is Lisa Lawson, who's the founder of Deer Green Coffee. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi there, Donald. Delighted to have you on board. And you've got a question for Tom and Willie, so fire away. I just wanted to ask you about your business journey. Mine has been relatively successful so far. Um, It's been driven by passion. And I've got a great team and we've survived the pandemic. Uh, but I want to know for the next phase of my business, what do I do to work smarter and not harder? Oh, that's a great question, Tom. Morning, Lisa. Hi there. So, um, I see you, you you were a Scottish Edge winner. That's right, yeah. So, fantastic. How was that experience for you? 
Yeah, it was quite daunting. I think we we uh, rubbed shoulders at the event, possibly. <laughs> and, oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was a winner. Uh, I didn't get what I pitched for, but I was very grateful for what I received and uh, it definitely gave me a nice network to tap, tap into since then. And you've and you've kept that network and the peer-to-peer learning, which is so important for Absolutely, us. yeah. Brilliant. So, anyways, sorry, I am, I am answering my own questions here, but anyway... <laughs> Um, so what you're asking is how can you work smarter not harder for the next 10 years yeah I don't know (laughs) I haven't a clue on that one all I can tell you is and it, it, it comes across here that you really love what you do and see if you love what you do you will the passion that you bring to your business will be infectious to your team your team will catch the bug and you'll just be seeing new avenues of opportunity every day. And I mean, that's what that's what happens with successful businesses. Of course, there's ups and downs. But if you really love your business and you're passionate about it, you don't really see it as hard work. I don't I don't see what I do as work at all. And um, it's really just about finding that passion. And, and if your passion is um, dear green coffee, then I'm just telling you, just keep on going, Lisa. Maybe Willie's got a better answer than me. <laughs> Willie, then? <laughs> I, I don't know a better answer, Lisa, but I'll tell you something that I've found, and I found this after 30 years in business. Uh, I found as if I was doing too much. You know, I was I was kind of meeting myself, getting up, going to bed, right? You know, like 24 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. But yeah. um, here's one bit of advice I would give you and I'd give anyone. From, from next Monday, keep a diary of all the things that you have done right in a day yeah <laughs> and at the end of the week look to see how much of that was minutia right okay. if someone else would have been better dealing with that and I found that what I've learned to do over the last five years is concentrating all of the big things so I think that's really the oh, and I'm not going to say that that's going to mean as if that you're working less but I was definitely working smarter yeah, and it's yeah. for me. It's paid huge dividends. I, that is so funny, Willie, because I keep a paper diary to this day, and it's each, each day's into an hour, and um, and on a Friday afternoon, I look and see where the week's gone because it's gone past in a blur, and I actually look and say, "Goodness, that wasn't productive. That wasn't there. I should have been doing this." And I have got them, and it's in an old sports division diary, actually. And I've got every year stacked up for the past 25 years. And that's what I do. And so that's uncanny, and it's a brilliant piece of advice. Yeah, yeah it's a great piece of advice, one I'm actually going to steal as well. <laughs> uh, Lisa, what did you think of that uh, advice there? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been in business for 10 years now, and I, I kind of like almost have to take my own advice sometimes as well. And I, I know that I work too hard, and I know that I probably do the menu tie when I should be focusing on other stuff. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep that diary, and I'll let you know how I get on. Yes, please let us know. And, and, and listen, you. how can we buy Dear Green Coffee? I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker well you can get it online so deargreencoffee.com and then hopefully once we've all had our vaccinations we can make you a coffee sometime too brilliant brilliant. well I'm going to get some Dear Green Coffee and um, best of luck to you Lisa best of luck Lisa thanks for calling thanks, thanks, thanks so much bye 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 so we've been asking for your suggestions to build on the show's success and what you would like us to talk about ideas are still flowing in 
And just remember that the best ones will receive a copy of the Scottish Enlightenment book by Arthur Herman, signed by Tom and Willie. For the details on how to enter and for all you need to know about today's show and how to get involved, visit thisisgo.co.uk. You can put your questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag GoHunterAndHockey. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Listen anytime, anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. podcasts.